We're back, baby, on the block. ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. However you're taking in the program, happy Friday, everybody. Syracuse and Duke, a little basketball game at the Dome Saturday night. We will get more to that, including with our next guest here shortly. Super Bowl Sunday, Niners and Chiefs. The NFL Blitz is on the way. The prop bet bonanza is on the way. Lots more on. No longer for entertainment purposes only. Niners and Chiefs. Which way you're going on that one? Is out at the uh, Turning Stone today at our event with uh, Yankees manager Aaron Boone. And uh, let's say the Lounge with Caesar Sports was bustling, friends. With Super Bowl bets, we'll try and uh, guide you the way. I'm not going to tell you who to bet and how to bet it. I'm just going to give you the info, and you'll go about your ways. Scooter gave us some great uh, betting tips a little earlier in the show on that. But as mentioned, this year, it's just a game. It's a big game, but it kind of lacks the usual hype and sizzle and buildup. It's certainly going to be a big crowd. It's certainly Duke. It's the social event of the winter in central New York. It still has all of those things. But last year just had an insane amount of not only hype and buildup, but of course the tragic circumstances surrounding Coach Bayheim's accident and all the questions going into that game. This year, it's merely a big game. And it's going to be a challenge for Syracuse, but there is just something about when Syracuse and Duke get on the same floor, that we get great basketball games. Let's break down this Duke team. It's our Keys to the Game brought to you by Freight and Lock. If you're missing your keys, car, phone, or home, call Freight and Lock and ask about their new mobile key replacement service. Convenient and the best price around. You can call them at 315-472-6988 or just stop by at 467 Burnett Avenue. Bring him in. You can read his work on The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter for the latest insight on the Blue Devils. Brendan Marks with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. How you doing, Brendan? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Thanks uh, so much for having me. Absolutely. We're looking forward to the game. And, you know, the big question is Vernon Carey Jr. So last year, Syracuse didn't have Zion here at the Dome, but certainly faced him a couple of times and had to deal with that force of nature as everybody else did. What are they dealing with with Vernon Carey Jr.? Yeah, frankly, as he's been described a number of times this season by opposing coaches, and I've, I've taken to stealing their lingo a couple of times, uh, he's a mountain. He's a mountain of a human being. He's just a massive physical specimen. And, and to date, there hasn't really been anyone in the country who's been able to defend him. Just face up one-on-one, man-on-man. Usually teams resort to either doubling and recently they've even gone to tripling him in the post just because he is so dominant. The, the thing about him is because of his size, He's so apt at drawing fouls. He's drawing 7.8 or 7.9 fouls per 40 minutes, third best in the country. Uh, He's just a huge human being, and nobody has really figured out a way to defend him adequately one-on-one so far. So Syracuse doesn't really have, you know, that big man inside. It's interesting, Brendan, because last year, you know, he had his ups and downs at Syracuse, but Pascal Chukwu actually had a couple of great games against Duke. They don't really have that kind of big man inside. And the interesting thing is Marek Dolzhai and Barama Sidibe, uh, particularly Tuesday night, but, you know, in other situations here, have been in foul trouble. And Carey's a guy who's got a high rate of drawing fouls, doesn't he? Absolutely. You know, he he is someone who just because of his pure size, he's going to draw those fouls. But uh, I think the thing that people forget about him, or maybe they don't appreciate and. Um, you wouldn't necessarily just because he is so big, but he actually has shown 
the shooting range. Um, you know, he's knocked down a couple of three-pointers this season, uh, made one against Pittsburgh on Tuesday night, um, just straight from the top of the key. If you if you sag off him and give him that opportunity, he's going to take it. So uh, certainly he would prefer to operate in the post, even though that wasn't necessarily his preference coming into Duke, never really played with his back to the basket, but he has learned how to do it. He is great at doing it. Um, and, yeah, without a true big man, it'll be interesting to see how Syracuse tries to defend him. It's been fun to watch Matthew Hurt this year. I just love the way he plays. And when you know he walks in the room, he's not the most physically imposing person in the world, but uh, certainly makes up for it in other areas. Why has he had the success so far that he has? Yeah, he's uh, he, he looks like a stretch four, but he's like a goofier version of it. <laughs> he's like a teenage stretch four. Um, you know, he's definitely, his shooting is what really sets him apart. And sometimes when you leave him alone and you just watch the form and the mechanics, uh, it's gorgeous. It's like art watching him shoot sometimes. The thing is, he hasn't always been able to uh, register the same impact defensively that has offensively. And as a result, sometimes Duke is forced to sit him. And he doesn't have the foot speed to really keep up with opposing power forwards. He struggled to defend some of those guys. He is getting stronger. Um, but for him, it's all about the offensive end of the floor because if he's not producing an offense, if he's not giving the Blue Devils something in that realm, uh, then Coach K can't really justify keeping on the floor because he is something of a defensive liability still at this point. That's interesting because there's, I think uh, there's a couple guys that fit that bill. Alex O'Connell had a huge game against Syracuse last year and dropping 20, but doesn't he kind of fit that same category as somebody who uh, defensively is a bit of liability? And I know that just kind of glancing at it, his minutes seem to be dwindling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would absolutely not expect him to have a similar performance or outburst against Syracuse this year. Um, Coach K is sort of notorious for always shortening his bench, and this year Alex O'Connell is going to be the first on the outside of that bubble. He's played five or fewer minutes in the last three games. Um, the past two games, he's actually only played one minute at a time before Coach K has pulled him off the court. He comes on, makes one turnover or one bad mispass, he comes straight out. So uh, Alex O'Connell is not the guy who's going to be torching the orange this year if anybody were to be. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting how Duke has sort of had to stagger its lineup with guys who provide the offensive help like Hurt does, and then adding the spectrum of guys like Jordan Goldwire who are providing more of a defensive impact. So it's very much a different Duke team than the Zion RJ show from last year. Uh, speaking of defense, uh, if Wendell Moore Jr. plays, and I wanted to ask you about that, Brendan, let's start there. Do you expect him to play in this game? Is it, is it trending that way? Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, he went through full warm-ups uh, before the Pittsburgh game, and, and Coach K said on Monday that he was very close to being ready to go, um, and then he sort of confirmed that pregame on Tuesday. Uh, went through a full range of warm-ups. That meant shooting, catching the ball, handling everything. Uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't at least try and play, um, unless there have been some sort of setback in the last day or two. Uh, but, yeah, it certainly is trending towards Wendell more playing. Okay, so he plays, and I envision maybe he would be, would get Elijah Hughes most of the time defensively. Do you see it going that way? Yeah, that'll definitely be some of the case. Um, he, he That's what they've been missing with him. You know, he's a guy who's able to defend some of those bigger-bodied athletic guys. Um, you know, Duke has sort of struggled with that. That's sort of the reason why the Clemson loss was so difficult, because Amir Sims, uh, Kevin Mack, those were guys that Duke just didn't really have an answer for. So um, I can certainly see him getting some of the matchup with Hughes. Um, Jack White, I can see getting some of the minutes on Hughes. Um, Heck, they might even try and do carry for a little bit. So they definitely switch things out. Um, but, but those are the three guys, if Moore does play, that I'd expect to see matched up on Hughes the most. 
Brendan Marks, our guest. You can find his work at The Athletic Covers, Duke, and College Basketball. Uh, sticking with that defensive theme for a moment here, uh, Trey Jones, boy, last year he had like four steals before you could take the first sip of your beverage when Syracuse played Duke, and then he got hurt and, and was out of the game. And I envision him coming into this one on Joe Girard most of the time, but if he's in Buddy Beheim's range, I wouldn't be stunned to see him kind of harass him a little bit on the defensive end. But tell me about Trey this year and coming back to Duke, the impact that he's had, and is he getting everything out of that that he wanted? You know, I think he is. And, and speaking to NBA executives and, and some personnel uh, before and during the season so far, one of the big things that you've heard from them is that uh, for most guys, coming back doesn't make sense. Um, most guys, it's sort of a, a bad decision and something where they can end up costing themselves money. Um, you know, it's not advisable. But for him, it really has been. For him, it's been a situation where he's come back and he's shown exactly what scouts wanted to see. It's been improved shooting. It's been improved ball handling. He's maintained the same usage. He's increased his offensive usage rate, but he's maintained the efficiency defensively, still getting the steals. Um, you know, at this point, I've heard people even projecting him to go in the middle of the first round. So, uh, he has certainly made the, the most of his second season at Duke. And, and really, it'll be interesting. I do think he's going to get some time on Buddy. Um, they sort of rotate their defenders in the backcourt. So Trey Jones will get some time. Jordan Goldwire will get some time. Uh, Cassius Stanley will probably get some time. So all three of those guys, they use interchangeably. Um, you know, And if one of them is struggling, they'll just switch to the next guys. But certainly, Trey's going to get a crack at, at containing Buddy, which will be quite the challenge. We haven't mentioned Cassius Stanley yet, and we really should because he has uh, been fun to watch and, and has been a breakout player for this team. You know, and you mentioned Matthew Hurt can shoot the ball and Trey Jones defensively. Is Stanley, you know, somebody that you think can can handle the zone? Is he a guy they're going to turn to to navigate that? I think that he's a guy. So basically, the. the Simplest explanation for how Cassius Stanley is a basketball player. A lot of people say that he's like Zion Williamson light in terms of it's like someone put Zion in the dryer, shook him in there for two cycles, and then pulled out this slightly smaller but just as elastic and athletic version. Um, so I certainly think that there's going to be opportunities in the zone where Cassius can find a little bit of space and make something happen. Um, but, but really, I think as far as penetrating the zone, they're going to rely on Kerry a lot still. You know, Kerry is someone who's increasing his ability to see the court. His, his court vision is really improved, and so he's always looking to kick it to Cassius. If he can get in the middle of the zone, cause some problems there, Cassius is going to be open on the outside, and then uh, Duke has a number of guys, Cassius, Hurt, um, who can sort of make the orange pay for that zone. So it, it's going to be a great basketball game. I'm, I'm really excited. Now, we've mentioned a lot of things on the Duke end. When you look at Syracuse and Hughes and Bayheim, top two three-point shooters in the country, or pardon me, in the ACC, you have the zone, those usual things. Syracuse and Duke just tend to play these at least, uh, you know, usually higher scoring, entertaining back-and-forth games. But this particular Syracuse team, as you looked at them, Brendan, what, what should Duke be worried about that they do? Yeah, you know, I think it is uh, Hughes. I mean, he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, for, for as physical and athletic as he is, um, Duke's biggest problems this year haven't necessarily been with teams that are killing them with the three. So um, I'm sure Buddy's more than going to get his points, but uh, Duke is a team that they really sell out and try and dedicate themselves to stopping the three ball. And when they do, you know, it sort of it happens. You know, it's not the end of the world. What really kills them is penetration on the inside, and, and that's where I think Hughes could make his money. So 
Um, if he's driving, if he's having success in the inside, um, if Moore ends up not being able to play a ton of minutes, Duke doesn't have a great person to match up on him. Uh, I, I think Hughes is probably the guy that they've got circled on their whiteboard. He's the one who, if there were going to be uh, a real upset bid chance, I think Hughes is the guy who's going to be the one steering it. So, Brendan, it's been an interesting college basketball season because there's not a lot of standout teams, a lot of really good teams, but everybody seems to have taken a turn at the number one ranking, and you know you got a couple of standouts with only a loss, but it just seems like there's a, a group of eight to ten teams kind of in that pack that over the next month and change here could make a run at being the best team in the country. Where does Duke figure in that conversation? Yeah, um, I think you've sort of nailed it. I mean, they're in a pack of them nine or ten teams that could win the national championship. I mean, um, as we've seen, anybody can beat anybody in college this year. You know, there's uh, the Evansvilles of the world. There's the Stephen F. Austins of the world. And Stephen F. Austin, as it turns out, is maybe better than we all thought they were going to be. So um, it's one of those years where Duke has the talent and they have the depth uh, to compete with anybody in the nation. You know, they are fully capable of beating a team like Kansas. They're also fully capable of losing to a team like Kansas. So, um, you know, they, they have the depth. They have the scores. I don't know if they have the alpha dog, the, the guy who's going to step on your throat and go win a game that I think some of the other teams do. You, you look at, uh, you know, Louisville has Jordan Wara. Uh, Kansas has Dotson. You know, those are teams that I look at that have a real go-to guy. Duke still is developing that. So I think that um, you certainly can't write them off for the national championship, but that's a question that very has to be answered before I would put them in that top one, two, three uh, national championship contenders. Brendan, thanks so much for the time and the insight. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the cues, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, my friend. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the game.